Welcome to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. Your hosts, Danielle Sullivan, National Director at Curriculum Associates, and Sari Labaris, Social Communications Manager at Curriculum Associates, are here to share actionable tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your classroom and drive student learning. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hey everyone, it's Sari, and welcome back to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. We know there is a lot happening right now, and we hope we can provide you with some insights, tips, and best practices and breathing room from the critical work you do. We are here to support teaching and learning wherever it is taking place this year. And we have with us again, the wonderful Megan. Uh, Megan, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Hey there, everyone. Um, if you're joining for the first time, um, I am a, my name is Megan Robinson, <laughs> and I'm a national director at Curriculum Associates alongside Danielle Sullivan. And uh, yay! And as a national director, I get to do fun things like this, right? Join in on podcasts. But we spend a lot of our time uh, working with district leaders and educators to you know, talk about the best way to utilize different tools and resources, but also to talk about you know, the latest and greatest research that's out there that I want to make sure folks are aware of. Uh, I, I want to share with you a fun fact. Uh, last week, I shared about a previous life of mine as a performer. Uh, my fun fact this week is uh, going to be about my experience going to school in the middle of Amish country. So I went to my under my undergrad university, Kutztown University of Pennsylvania. I was in the middle of Amish country. So that meant that nearly every morning I woke up to the sound of horses hooves on the pavement um, as they were pulling carriages through the town. Wow, you are full of fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you again for um, talking with us again, because we really enjoyed our conversation we had last week around some of the work that you've been doing, the research that you're doing with equity. And what I would love to dig in a little bit more today is some of the research you found around discipline and why that has been very impactful on you even personally. Sure, sure. So in this in this uh, process, right, of uh, being seen as a person who can speak about this topic and uh, be respected in having these conversations. It's important that I'm well-read and that I read a lot of different pieces of research. And one piece of research that I came across is uh, from 2016 out of Yale University that was around the bias of preschool teachers. And that caught my eye right away, right? Because when I saw a bias of preschool teachers, wow, if if it's starting that early, what does that indicate for a student as they continue moving on through their life and then into adulthood? But it also hit home because I have several, I have a niece and several nephews, um, and the youngest of which at the time was in preschool. So I was really interested to see exactly what was uh, what that was all about. And so what they did with that study is the researchers had uh, preschool educators sit in front of a computer screen and watch footage of young children engaging with one another in a preschool classroom setting. And they were instructed to watch for inappropriate or unacceptable behavior and hit their keyboard whenever they saw that bad behavior. But newsflash, there really wasn't any bad behavior. What the researchers were actually looking for was who the educators were watching the most. There were four children. There were two boys and two girls. 
one boy was white, one boy was black, one girl was white, and one girl was black. So they had the educators watch this video, and what they found was that the educators were overwhelmingly watching the black students. So let's take a moment to think about what that means. If we can come to an agreement that all children, all students engage in naughty or undesirable or unacceptable, however you want to define it, behavior at some point, right? Let's think about preschool children. What, what, what are they learning how to do? Share, right? Use their words, things like that. Hit me in the face so with a stick. They're, they're, learning they're learning how to do school. They're learning how to control your body. Don't hit an adult in the face. Yes, yeah. stick. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So if we can, if we can, if we can um, accept that that's likely behavior of most three-year-old children, but if we're only watching or we're overwhelmingly watching only certain students who will we catch engaging in that behavior? Who will be disciplined? Who will be, who will receive that criticism and that critique that is not fair, right? But then think about what that means for children as they move from being in preschool to pre-K, to kindergarten, first grade, second grade, right? Let's fast forward, eighth grade, fast forward a little more, 11th grade, 12th grade. What that means is that these students from the moment that they walked into a classroom had assumptions made about them by the adults that they're in the care of. There are all sorts of, of societal experiences at play in that teacher's response to particular students. But the child as early as three years old doesn't understand that th those ideas are way too sophisticated for them to know. All they know is that they're being disciplined and they're being they're getting in trouble much more frequently than their peers though they're engaging in the same behavior over time think about what that means to an individual person if you're constantly being picked on if you're constantly being the one who's called out for that behavior yet you're not the only one engaging in that behavior then you might develop a sort of a a chip on your shoulder. You may develop a resistance to authority and to uh, that type of feedback or, that then only builds up mm -hmm. over the years as a sort of scar tissue. Right. Danielle. Or they continue, if they're being told their entire life that that's the way they are behaving, then they think that's the way they should mm -hmm. be behaving because then they're getting the negative feedback instead of positive feedback. Right. Absolutely. And at the same time, what are the exactly. other students who see themselves doing the same thing and they're not getting in trouble, whatever that means? What do they, how does that affect them? You know, what do they think they can do and get away with? Well, while there's other students who are exhibiting the same behavior and they're getting picked on time and time again, they see their peers not getting called out by the teacher. What type of reinforcement mm -hmm. is that set for them too? Right. Right. And you know, Sari, that came out in, uh, I'm sure we've all seen, it's been conducted multiple times over the past several years, but that yes, I was the doll test, the doll test and where young children took a look at dolls of many different shades and they were to pick the doll. Um, so 
the uh, the children looked at those dolls and which which doll is bad, which doll is good, which doll gets in trouble, which doll is good at school, which doll is not good at school, and all of the negative attributes were associated with the darker skinned dolls. And so we really have to think about where are children learning that, um, and whether it's explicit, explicit or implicit. Um, then that definitely impacts all children, not just the children who are. Um, the the ones that are being singled out, but the children who are observing that and witnessing that and learning about their privilege and uh, and the space that they're able to um, take up within their within their schools. Now you see a young child behind me, uh, or there is a young child behind me, um, and that is the three year old um, whom I spoke about before. He's now almost five. Uh, but when children um, like my nephew Hayes. Um, are engaging in or receiving that type of feedback from educators or from um, adult figures, authority figures. Uh, someone as, as smiley and bubbly as he is, his hobbies, just so you know, are marching bands and watching birds, um, means you have to think about how that, okay, you have to think about how that impacts his, who, who he becomes. Right? Will he be as positive? Will he be as happy? Will he be as social and as loving and accepting as he is now? And my family has an understanding of actually what, what that looks like because something similar, similar happened to my brother. And my brother's uh, life trajectory was greatly influenced by the way that he was treated and seen within the school system. So it's really important that we think about it as early as preschool students so that we ensure that it doesn't happen to any children, including my nephew, Hayes. I mean, yes, yes. And in our current environment, as he is gleefully joyful in the background, we know that we our current environment is different than what it used to be. So are there things that you can recommend for teachers to think or educators to think about around this topic? Are there books maybe people could read? We'll definitely link some of the research that you shared in the show notes. But what what's a good next step for our listeners with this topic who want to learn more or to be able to be more proactive themselves? So the golden ticket here, uh, again, another piece of research, this is out of Stanford University. They conducted the first national um, study. This was has been done at local and state levels, but the first national study uh, looking at the connection between discipline and discipline and racial disparity and academic outcomes. And what they found was uh, those institutions that were able to more appropriately or uh, to narrow the racial inequities as far as discipline was being handed out, saw that students, all students, especially students of color, were able to succeed at a rate much closer to their white peers. So what that means is that is your golden ticket. If we can address and do the work, whether that's reading books, joining groups, taking bias assessments in order to understand where we stand and what our preferences are, uh, then we can start to address the discipline disparity. Because when we address the discipline disparity, then the so-called achievement gap, rather the opportunity gap, is much less, uh, much less measurable. Uh, 
So that really is is the place to start in understanding, really understanding ourselves, unpacking um, what we see and how we interact with folks in in our world, and then uh, working to not only address discipline measures within our school systems, but also addressing um, our own personal growth in order to ensure that uh, those discipline disparities are not in place so that all students have an equal opportunity. That is great. Um, are there any particular, like if, if they were to start with one book or one resource or one video, what would you recommend? We'll link all of the studies that we referenced. Um, and I think just reading one of those even and discussing it with your colleagues, thinking, just reflecting on how this applies to your practice is, is a good place to start too. And just the fact that you're listening to this podcast now is also, you know, it's, we all got to start somewhere. Um, one book that I uh, would suggest is culturally, uh, culturally sustaining pedagogies, culturally sustaining pedagogies. Um, and there is a chapter in there that is uh, really focused on how we can maintain students' cultures um, and how we can honor and support all students and start to see students differently rather than through a deficit lens, but through an asset-based lens. So I would suggest checking out Culturally Sustaining Pedagogies um, if you're interested. Okay, I love and I love that. And even if you're teaching virtually or if you're in a brick and mortar classroom, this work is is transcendent of whatever the time is times are. And it's really important to, like we shared, you want to make sure you're doing the work for yourself, having conversations with colleagues, having conversations with your school community, but starting with just knowing where do you stand and how, uh, who do you want to be in your classroom, be it virtual mm -hmm. <laughs> or in person. So that is all the time we have for today. And we just thank you, Megan, so much. Thank you for being on our two-part series. We just appreciate talking with you, your perspective, your experience. Um, your, you guys can't see her adorable nephew because this is a podcast. <laughs> but thank you for sharing the joy of your adorable nephew, just even um, joyfully <laughs> shouting in the background. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes, sure thing. Thanks for having me. You can also follow us along um, at Twitter, at Curriculum Asoch, and on Instagram at MyIReady. And please continue to tag us in all of the posts um, that you share so that we can see the inspiring work that you all do daily, wherever you are teaching from. And if you have feedback about a podcast, topic of interest, or want to be a guest, please email us at extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. That's extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. This is about you. We are here for you. Thank you so much again for listening. And until we meet again, be you, be true, be extraordinary. This podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates and is the copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates.